Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining us again this week on Punches and Punchlines. Uh, we are covering the action from Saturday night, December 4th. Uh, where was uh, where was this fight? Las Vegas, Nevada. Saturday was in Vegas, and then we're also going to do the Friday fights U- on UK ESPN. card. Yep, that was in uh, somewhere. I, oh, East London was that Yeah, one. it looked like a super cool venue. Like, I want to see a fight there. Wherever that was, I want to see a fight there. They're in the church hall are now on my list of places that I want to see fights. Because it just looked like a really cool spot where you were right on top of the ring. The name of the venue was Your Call, but it looked a little bit rough for me, Fritz. I'm not sure that I would actually. Yeah, Your Call. That was the spot. Uh, it, it looked like a place where you might get into some trouble, but we'll, we'll get into the details about it once we get into these fights. Absolutely. And anybody tuning in to hear about uh, Tank Bavis, versus the late replacement defending his regular belt this uh we're recording as that fight's about to happen i just did not see that fight being worth 70 plus dollars american to uh, purchase that one so i'll check out the highlights tomorrow that's about how much i care about that i would want i wanted to see figueroa and i wanted to see drevianchenko but yeah. not 70 something dollars worth of it see i wanted to see fundora because uh fundora puts the fun in fundora for sure Charlie Edwards, 28 years old, coming in at 16 and one versus Jacob Barreto, 25 years old, coming in at 13 and three. Now, Franco, this was a nice, fun card on uh, Friday night, kind of a good way to kick off the weekend. And this was the co-main event. Charlie Edwards was a former champ, you know, only one loss. He either looks really, really good or Barreto is not very good because when he landed that that knockout shot in the second, you know, I was like, all right, this is a great way to start the weekend. I also couldn't help but thinking that Barreto looked like uh, Woody from Toy Story as he was <laughs> falling to the mat. He looked like when Woody tries to run from danger and all his limbs go different directions. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought Barreto looked like to me. And I definitely want to see Charlie Edwards fight again. This The speed is there. Clearly, the power shots are there. We didn't get to see a lot of them this night, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of them in the future. Yeah, I really like Charlie Edwards. A lot of times with the British fighters, I'll crap on them a little bit because I feel like the hype exceeds what the fighter is actually doing, but this was not one of those cases. Charlie Edwards looked good. He looked like he was in great shape. He kind of reminded me, I don't think you've ever seen, have you ever heard of Megalobox? No. So Megalobox is a Japanese anime set in like a dystopian future, and but it's all about boxing. But you put like robot arms uh, like over your body, like an exoskeleton, exoskeleton where the guys fight with like these robot arms. And Charlie Edwards was very, very pasty and then had just two awesome tattoo sleeves. He had a couple other tattoos like on his neck and stuff. But with the tattoo sleeves, it looked like the robot arms from Megalobox. And it just it, it had me even more excited. Yeah, he definitely had a cool look to him. I was trying to look up who he'd lost to. So he's won quite a few fights in a row. Uh, his only loss is to John Riel Casimiro. So that oh. is not that's not a shameful loss to have on your record. He's won a ton in a row. 
now since it. So yeah, I was just trying to see how he had lost his belt. Well, it couldn't have been against somebody like Barreto because <laughs> if anybody who hasn't seen this fight, if you got five minutes to kill, you can fit the entire fight in those five minutes because it was only halfway through the second round when that, that big hook landed from Edwards right onto Barreto's face and launched him into the corner. Uh, it was it was a great knockout. Like I loved watching this one, not just because Barreto's from Spain. You know, we all know I have my issues with the Spaniards, but Barreto just looked outclassed here. And I don't know if, like you said, if it's saying something bad about Barreto or if Edwards is just that good. But either way, there were definitely two different levels going on here. Isaac Lowe, 27 years old, coming in at 21, 0 and 3 versus Luis Lopez, 28 years old, coming in at 23 and 2. Now, Franco, this fight started out with just action and the announcers were really impressed with some of the shots low was landing mm-hmm. and i'm glad that they were because lopez was not impressed with some of the shots that low was landing you could see as this fight went on that lopez was just getting more brave i guess you could say or just a lot less cautious because he had felt the power that low could bring and it, it didn't phase him at all sure he got hit a couple times for sure but At no point did he look wobbled or ready to fall or even hurt, dazed, any of the stuff you want to say that can happen to a fighter. He just like, oh, that that was a punch. Okay. You know, like (laughs) never seemed affected by it. And on the other hand, Lowe was affected by a lot of the shots. You know, in the first round, uh, he gets knocked down by a beautiful left. On the first punch. First punch that he threw. Lowe being the undefeated guy gets up right away and is really pissed at himself. So he finishes out the round and, you know, I had it go in 10-8, but that's that's about as far as my scoring went because I, I wasn't really making an active scorecard on this one. And you know what? It turned out I didn't need to because then in the second round, he he's like, oh, I knocked him down with a left already. Let me let me try a right. And he lands a right to the body in the second. And you know how mu- humiliating those body shot knockdowns have got to be. Lowe hits the mat again and he's got to be thinking to himself like man i'm good why why is this happening to me you know like they were supposed to be just i'm the main event nobody's here to see lopez why is this happening to me yeah and he again survives the second keeps his shit together to make it out of the out of the second round and actually i thought he did a pretty good job in the third fourth fifth you know like was doing okay Mm -hmm. can't say that i thought he was at any point even in those rounds hurting uh lopez but he was at least doing better he he made it through those rounds without any knockdowns so that's always a plus and then yeah in that seventh it was just done the ref had seen enough knockdowns he's like all right dude you're just getting pummeled now lopez was just loading up for these crazy shots because he didn't have to defend himself he's like all right I've taken his best shot and it felt like getting hit with a mosquito. So <laughs> I can just throw these haymakers and end it as soon as I can. I don't get paid for overtime. I'm going to clean this fight out right now. It was a really fun fight. There was a crazy amount of action this one. So this one was an IBF title eliminator where the winner is probably going to end up fighting Kiko Martinez, which we've seen him a couple times. So I was like, that sounds like, you know, that could be exciting. The crowd was obviously behind Isaac Lowe, but kind of like you uh, touched on briefly there, the British announcers were, I I get it. You know, you're rooting for the hometown kid. You want to push the guy that your promotion is pushing, but they were ridiculous by like the seventh round to the point where I also stopped keeping score because of all the knockdowns and they had low behind. This was entering the seventh round. They had a behind by two points. 
the guy who like they, and I'm like, what? How how stupid is this that that's all you're giving them? But it, it was in true ESPN fashion that they're always going to have somebody on the telecast that's going to annoy the shit out of me. In <laughs> in the U.S., they have Joe Tessitore to annoy the shit out of me. And in the U.K., they have Spencer, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, let's go over Spencer's stupid scorecard. That's what they might as well say, because it's always dog shit. Too many times they've gone to him. He's like, oh, I scored this round 10-10. And he wants to explain, you know, like we have 20 seconds to throw it to you, Spencer. We don't need the history in the breakdown of why they say you can score a 10 10 or i mean that didn't happen this round but that's was one of his rants that made me start really disliking uh spencer so uh yeah espn is always uh ready with an annoying announcer to keep me uh frustrated you know what and that even carries over to like their regular tv shows where they find people that are just gonna say crazy stuff that doesn't make any sense it's not an expert analysis they just say things purely to get a reaction out of people and it doesn't stop with the boxing like you know it, it goes on with a lot of their stuff i don't even think these guys are doing it to get a reaction i think they're genuinely stupid where <laughs> there are people that are like oh here's my hot take and it's you could tell that they don't even believe the shit that they're saying but these guys i really think do believe what they're saying and joe Tessitore, i wouldn't say is dumb he's just annoying where he's just like Oh, and here comes Bud Crawford. Like, he wasn't even in this fight. Why? You just can't <laughs> stop saying Bud Crawford, you know? Yeah, it was it was very frustrating. But as far as Luis Alberto Lopez goes, you know, we're going to end up seeing him again now. And he very clearly dominated. He was dropping some heavy leather for only being a featherweight. Like, this dude weighs what I weighed when I was in high school and was dropping really heavy-handed punches. But his nickname is El Venado which means the deer. And Mm. I wonder if it ties in. I don't know if you noticed this, Fritz. Uh, Like every fifth punch, he would like kind of jump as he was throwing like an uppercut. Like he would like jump into his punches and was leaping all over the ring. It doesn't seem like a good technique. Like if you get caught off balance, somebody's just going to stick you and drop you. But he was punching and jumping. Maybe that's where his nickname comes from. The only thing I could think of, though, is he didn't start really doing those, you know, like jump hooks (laughs) until he had felt the best shot from low. And he's like, oh, that's that's what I've been protecting myself from. Bring it on. I'm just going to I'm going for the clear out here, you know? Yeah. And just threw caution to the wind. And it was it was a great fight. The stoppage was funny because Lowe was complaining and, and was upset with the stoppage. And it's like, bro, you just went down three times. It's time to just call it a day. This clearly you're not going to win this fight. Uh, maybe he knew that the fix was in with the hometown judges right. and was trying to stretch it to that. I don't know, but it was, it, it was a good fight. It was a lot of action. It was really fun. And then the only uh, other complaint that I have, but it, it doesn't even tie into ESPN was the guy from the corner for Lopez that was translating was like, one of his one of his own people translating for him. It was some of the worst translating I've ever heard in my life. Uh, we refer to them as no Sabo kids where like they're they're from here kind of like me, but their Spanish is like really atrocious. His Spanish was horrible. So then when he started translating over into English, his English wasn't any better. I'm like, this guy just doesn't know how to talk. You can't hate multiple translators, Frank. I'm going to put a stop to this right now. You got to pick one to hate and then that's it. You got to pick a lane. We can't have multiple translators that we don't like all right i will crap on all of them until i find one that i like it's gonna end up being like a polish translator or something be like man that guy was amazing or i'm just gonna have to assume because i don't speak polish 
But yeah, this guy was really like this was even worse than the Canelo fight, I feel like, because he would go to say a word and then was just making up words like putting an A at the end of like, oh, elevator A. Like, that's not how you say it. All right. So unnamed translator is now the champ of hated translators. Yeah. When we do our end of the year awards, he might take worst translator of the year. He's like, oh, yeah. uh, El Pancho. Muy hardo. (laughs) Oh, God. Just stop. Jessica McCaskill, 37 years old, coming in at 10 and 2 versus Candy Wyatt, 30 years old, coming in at 10 and 3. Now, Franco, we are covering this fight because we are both big Jessica McCaskill fans. You know, she is from Chicago and that put her on our radar, Mm -hmm. but it's her boxing that has made us fans of her. She's really just an all round good boxer. You know, like there's no holes in her game. I can't say that there's one part of her game that I love. You know, but I will say that each part of her, there's no holes in her game. She's just solid, solid boxer. You know, mm-hmm. the only thing I could say about her competition, Candy Wyatt, is that she came in with the wanted, but the skill wasn't there. All right. Now, granted, she took this fight on last minute. You know, it was l- less than, a, I think, a week out from the fight, if not just more than a week she had to prepare for this fight. I don't know whether she was already in the gym. I'm imagining just from the way that she was able to take punishment that she She must have been at least in shape. She made the 147 and came in and definitely gave it her all. But the old adage of there's levels to this game. She was not on Justin McCaskill's level. And I was happy when the ref stopped this, you know, because the round before that, I was thinking to myself, like, this has got to be stopped. Like, just because getting tired from beating this woman, you know, like (laughs) the other one was not landing any shots. But you can see Jessica almost punching herself out, just landing on this woman's head to the body. I mean, it was just a complete attack. And there wasn't enough coming back from from Candy to keep her in this fight. And after the round that I wanted it to stop in the sixth, I wanted it to stop. And after that, you could hear the ref on her way to the corner. The ref told Candy, like, hey, you got to show me something, you know, and then the next round, it did happen at a weird point. You know, Jessica just landed, I think, three or four more really heavy shots. And then Candy kind of got out of range and then the ref stopped it. She didn't fire back and start getting back into it. She started to run away again. And I I see the ref's point. Like, it was just time to stop. Yeah. If anything, I think it might have been better to have stopped it the round before. There were a couple of moments where Jessica McCaskill landed just these crazy flurries of punches that it wasn't just a lot of punches. It was heavy, hard shots. I definitely wanted it stopped in the sixth. Yeah. So when he did stop it in the seventh, it was one of this. We see this every once in a while where when they finally do stop it, it's just like the moment itself is kind of weird. And I kind of feel like that's what happened in the seventh when it finally did get stopped. Jessica hit her with a couple of punches. He just kept saying, you know, got to show me something, got to show me something. And then uh, Candy Wyatt threw like one or two punches. And then Jessica came in and landed another four. And then he stopped it. But in the replays, like when you get just that one highlight clip, it looks like a weird stoppage. You know what I mean? Like, oh, why did it get stopped there? And then people start crapping on it. But if you had seen the whole fight, it's like, no, that should have been stopped way beforehand. Absolutely. So. Yeah, there was there was a lot of crapping at it on social media, specifically on Twitter, where I was kind of shocked at some of the things that people were saying. And then I quickly ran away to Instagram, (laughs) the land of rainbows and pictures and happiness. And it was much better there in Twitter and the Twitterverse. 
there was a lot of, um, you know, oh, women fighting, like this is garbage. And it's like, oh, wow. Tell me you have a small wiener without telling me that you have a small wiener, because that's the vibe I was getting on Twitter. Yeah. And I always like to remind those dudes, like, you don't have to watch it. You know, like mm-hmm. go, go talk to somebody for a minute, you know, like go say hello to your family. You know, you got, you got <laughs> seven rounds to go uh, be a better person, then come back for the other fights. If you, if you hate watching, you know, women box, I'm not trying to make you do it, but don't get online and complain about it. I could you imagine if I went online every weekend and just complained about golf? I think it's the dumbest fucking sport in the <laughs> world, but because I actually have other things to do and, you know, real joy in my life i don't go online every sunday and be like oh they're playing golf again this is stupid i just got better shit to do the thing i don't understand and this goes for pretty much any fandom whether it's boxing fans anime fans uh wrestling sports right individuals like football or baseball or whatever every fandom there's like people that have an allegiance to certain things And then that's like their one trait. You know what I mean? Like that's they defend some like certain um, promotions or whatever, like they get paid by them. And it's like, what are you doing? And it's like the toxic fandoms when you are following somebody that you like or you're going along with some and then you have to read all this garbage underneath it. It kind of takes some of the fun out of it, at least for me. So I try to avoid it as much as possible because it really does. Rick and Morty has a horrible fandom my hero academia has a bunch of little girls that crap all over it and make it terrible (laughs) what are those wait wait, 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 what are those shows (laughs) oh rick and morty is so good my hero academia is really good too but back to this fight yeah watching people crap on something that's so great you know what maybe if anything it makes it easier so that when jessica mccaskill eventually defends her undisputed welterweight titles, all seven of them. Hopefully it'll be here in Chicago and it'll be easier for us to get tickets so that all the small wienered guys, they can stay home. And then us big dongs, we can just roll in with our awesome tickets because that's what I'm really hoping for here is I would love to see Jessica McCaskill in person. I would love to see her fight here in her hometown of Chicago. Maybe when the weather is nice, do it at like White Sox Park or something. I'd love it. I think it would be great. I'm fingers crossed for it. If anything, uh, if, if she doesn't get to fight here after uh, the weather warms up, she's invited to the barbecue here at the uh, Ocampo household. She can uh, get free tacos from us. Her and Rick Ramos can show up. They're both invited. Montana Love, 26 years old, coming in at 16-0-1 versus Carlos Diaz, 26 years old, coming in at 29-1. and Now, Franco, both of us were introduced to Montana Love when he beat our boy Ivan Brancheck. And I started thinking to myself, like, oh, this dude just beat a tough dude. Uh, maybe this is somebody we, we need to pay attention to. Carlos Diaz, his only loss had been to Chones Tapeda. So, you know, maybe Tapeda and uh, Brancheck will be tied together forever, you know? So yeah. we have a Brancheck Zapeda uh, tie on this one. I know you got a couple of things to say on this, but here's uh, my take on it so far. Good, good fight by Montana Love. Knocked him down three times. To the ref's credit, he didn't stop it after the third knockdown, you know, because Diaz didn't look in trouble. He didn't look like he was doing well, but he didn't look, you know, like he was hurt or in trouble. It looked like he just took some shots and got knocked down. They say no three knockdown rule. And I'm glad that the ref stuck to this one, you know, because a lot of times the refs will just be like, yeah, I know there's no three knockdown rule, but 
I don't like seeing three knockdowns. So I'm calling the fight, you know? So that didn't happen. Now, a quick thing. Uh, Montana loves his nickname is uh, too pretty. He's too pretty, Franco. He had to go with that because uh, the name too hungry wouldn't have wouldn't have fit because uh, he clearly was well fed coming in four pounds overweight for this fight. I hate (laughs) that shit. I think it's like unprofessional. The other guy is coming in on weight. Why can't you come in on weight? And then he pulled another trick that I hate. Unless again, unless it's an emotional support dog, leave your Uh, fucking pet at home. You dork. You know, like it's just the (laughs) dumbest shit in the world. Like, where does it stop, Rico? What if what if I need what if next next fight, you know, Canelo comes in on a burrow and uh decides that he's gonna ride one into the ring and then then he wants it ringside the whole fight, you know, like it's just the stupidest thing in the world. Leave your animals at home, they're not people, it's not part of the family. It's just stop it. All right, stop it. All right, and send. I just sent an email to Canelo. Uh actually uh slid into his DMs, and hopefully he will be. Riding, I said a horse though. I thought that'd be cooler than a donkey. Uh, we don't need him on a burro, but uh, yeah, a straight up horse. But then, like you said, I want him to go up the little metal steps and into the ring with the horse. I'm sure that would be great for the fight. How funny if the dog would have pissed in the ring though? Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? I think you automatically lose the fight. You're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> your dog pissed. Now you lost. Go home. It's the dumbest thing in the world. Like we saw this a couple of weeks ago. I, I hate it. I hope this trend stops right now. I'm not saying that uh, I am now a Montana love hater, but uh, mm. I, I was not a fan of his going into this fight uh, because of the dog thing, because of the weight thing, and because he knocked out my guy, Baranchek. <laughs> but I will say this. Do I want to see him fight again? I do. You know what? With the whole dog thing being done a couple weeks ago, it ties into what I'm going to crap on the hardest with this fight. He's not original. This is not an original dude. The too pretty thing. Muhammad Ali did that. The having a dog that was, uh, was it T-Bud? No, T-Bud wouldn't have done. No, that. no, no. It was, uh, it's another ESPN card. Uh, but I forget who did it. Dang, yeah. I can't, I can't remember either, but so somebody else. Right. The, it wasn't uh, worth committing to memory. Yeah, and and it wasn't even a cool dog. He came in with this like little French bulldog looking like pug, weird, not a natural animal dog. It's not like he came in with like pit bulls on chains or something. You know, hell, Doberman, anything would have been cooler. He could have come in with the golden retriever. That would have been better than the little freak of a dog that he was carrying around. But the thing that got me the most was leading up to the fight during the other fights, they kept cutting to what's going backstage, like being between rounds and stuff. They cut to Montana love and he's laid out on the floor with his wife or his girlfriend or whatever, uh, giving him like a massage while he pet the dog. Like he was laid out like a playgirl photo shoot or whatever. And they're, and he's petting the dog and she's giving him a massage. Then they go back to the fight. They come back the next round and he's getting his beard trimmed from a barber because his beard was too long. And so now he's like in a barber chair getting cleaned up and it's just like, or you could be warming up for a fight. Now, as far as pure boxing goes, I can't take anything away from Montana love. He looked great, but you know, already I've got this weird feeling about this dude. I'm like, he's doing all this dumb stuff with the massage and the beard and everything. And then he did his damn ring walk. And just like last week, he comes out with the sombrero on backwards with the Mexican colors on. And he had a mariachi in the ring singing him in. If I'm that mariachi singer, I'm watching out for the cartels getting me. Because now you're like helping this dude out. And then who's the one person that popped for it? Sergio Mora. 
I'm going to, I'm coining a new term. I don't know if it's even a thing. He's a, he's a Tio Tomas, you know, instead of an uncle Tom, he was a Tio Tomas because he's sitting there. Oh, this is so great. Oh, how funny. Ha ha ha. And I'm thinking, am I the only asshole? Like Fritz kind of made fun of me last week for taking it so serious. And then when I went on to Instagram and ESPN posted, Hey, look at the swag drip or whatever stupid thing that they said that didn't fit with this. And people crapped all over this and were like, this is offensive. He's doing it disrespectfully. He's doing this as a shot to Mexicans. And I definitely feel like that's what he's doing here. It's you're doing it disrespectfully of an entire culture. So now I like really hate this dude. The, but then they start talking about, oh, you know, we he's going to be fighting this tough Mexican. There's so many tough Mexicans. And then Chris Mannix goes, have we ever not seen a tough Mexican? Did we forget about Ryan Garcia already, Fritz? Does he not exist anymore? He's still undefeated, and he would put both of us to sleep without breaking a sweat, Franco. Let's not forget that he is tough. I would make fun of him, and he would cry before even throwing a punch. That is, right. he is soft. I Until I see him in the ring again, I I am not a Ryan Garcia fan. I want him to win me back. I want, right. I'm, I'm looking for the comeback. I would love it, but it's so, not happening. Let me see. Um, you are against racism, mm-hmm. but you're for mental health bashing. That's what I'm getting out of that right there. That uh, you're making fun of Ronnie Garcia for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so while you bad. while you pon- while you ponder that thought, <laughs> let me let me say that Montana Love did not it does not control the cameras when they have the shot of his barber trimming his beard because it's too long. That's not on Montana Love. When they, they show him getting a massage, that's not on Montana Love. But that one was. He was posing. No, it doesn't well, here's the thing. They didn't have to throw the shot to him. You know what I mean? Like that's still the cameraman and the producer working their working their stuff, trying to give us content. But here's my thing. The thing I will be mad about, which was in his control, is making weight for this fight. You know, yeah. This is his first fight with Matchroom, and this is the thanks that you give him. Like, hey, thanks for uh, bringing me on board. Now I'm going to come in fat. You know, like it. <laughs> it was stupid. And then to your point about the ring walk, like, all right, let's say that even somebody thought that this was going to be funny. All right, let's just say that it's, it's so done. so unoriginal that it was mm-hmm. just done last week. Literally yeah. last week, you're not even like going back into the archives like Fulton did and, and stealing Floyd Mayweather's thing. You're just stealing from Fulton from last week. You piece of unoriginal shit. You know, like that's. Uh, yes. That's, let the hate flow well, through you, Fritz. <laughs> just stealing somebody's bit is not funny in, in the comedy world. And it should be uh, less popular in boxing. Like do do something of your own. That part makes no sense. Like this was literally just done last week. Come up with something better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like your last name is Love. Come out in the goddamn Love Boat. You know, like that shit would be funny. You know, yeah. like you want to do something fun? That would be great. I like it. Uh, Montana Love is Carlos Mencia. You heard it from Fritz first. Uh, that's what he basically just said. But here's the thing that really was like the heartbreaking part of all of it. He's really good in the ring. Absolutely. Like this dude can box. Granted, he's almost an entire weight division higher in this fight. Because he was only three pounds away from being a welterweight. Right. He was fighting at the junior welterweight. So he came in like over four pounds overweight. It was four pounds, yeah. Yeah, that's you're almost to the next division. So right. yeah, your shots are going to land with a little bit more oomph. Diaz, uh, I felt bad for him. This is the whole weight thing. 
but also he was just getting rocked. Uh, if anything, I thought this one again should have been stopped around earlier just because of how bad Diaz was getting kind of uh, ragdolled around the ring. But when it did stop, it made sense. You know, he went down, he went down pretty hard and needed to get stopped. Oh, no, no, wait, no, he didn't go down. It was as Diaz was throwing a punch. It was another weird one where I was kind of like, oh, like, yeah, it should be stopped. But the timing of it just kind of makes it seem a little bit off. He was hurt for sure. Like, yeah. And I thought it was the right time to stop it. You know, I just this guy is fighting a guy above his weight class, literally like, let's let's let this stop right now and, you know, see what Carlos Diaz does in his next fight and see whether Montana Love can handle a welterweight when he fights his next fight. Yeah. So to put a nice little bow on this, Montana Love has all the talent in the world, but he has the personality of a dog turd. He should be moving up a weight class, but he said he wants to stay at 140. Let's see if uh, Fatty can make weight because otherwise he should be moving up a weight class or He shouldn't be allowed to fight. So we'll see next time he pops up on our radar. Devin Haney, 23 years old, coming in at 26 and 0 versus Joseph Diaz, 29 years old, coming in at 32, 1 and 1. Now, Franco, I really enjoyed this fight. I Mm -hmm. uh, like both of these boxers. They put on a really good show. If I was at this main event, this was certainly worth the price of admission to go see this one live. You know, both dudes were throwing a lot of lot of punches. There was a lot of action throughout. It seemed like uh, the script was the same almost in every round where Haney was the more active and landing more shots. But then Jojo would have these flurries of, you know, 15, 20 seconds where he seemed to be doing all his work in those compressed spaces, hmm. you know like his best shots would come in these flurries and then it would go back to kind of Haney taking over the rest of the round. So I gave just watching this after like, I'd say the eighth, I started thinking to myself, I'm like, the only way Diaz could win this is by KO that never came uh, about this went to the scorecards. I think the judges absolutely got this one, right. That, you know, Haney was the winner, but Joseph Diaz didn't embarrass himself at no point. Did you think he didn't belong in there with the champ? I just think of the two fighters, Haney was clearly the better fighter last night. And to be honest with you, I started thinking toward the end of it. I'm like, if these dudes fought seven times, like a, like a world series matchup or something, you know, like a best of seven, I think it would be five to two Haney. You know what I mean? Like that's, I, I think Jojo could get it done. It would take a little bit better plan and some and some better landing. I don't know. The other thing that kind of made me suspect, a lot of people shit on Devin Haney, and I don't I don't understand it. He is a really good boxer. Like he's got a really good game to him. The only thing I think that he lacks is like real pop on his shots. You know, at no point did I think that Diaz was stunned or hurt or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And granted, Haney was working his jab all fight long with precision and executed that part of his game. And that's I mean, that's what won him the fight was just setting up his other shots with a perfect jab yeah i think the only thing really missing in his game is uh some extra pop on those shots and if he doesn't have it at 135 at 23 years old usually your power goes down as you go up and wait i don't see him being able to hang at 140 if he can't deliver the goods at 135 but that's a question for another day we're talking about this fight and i thought Devin haney did really well i thought jojo really made a good presentation of himself and i hope to see both of these dudes back fighting whoever i'm going to be tuning in 
Yeah, I had it scored eight rounds to four. Thought JoJo had a couple of really good rounds where he was just hard and aggressive. In the second round, he hit a buckle buster, which that's like a great wrestling move that injures people where he like threw Devin Haney backwards into the corner and then started working him. But Devin Haney was just dominant in this. He was controlling the pace of the fight. I think the one of the words that you said that is just spot on is precision. Like he was so precise with his shots where he was just splitting Jojo's guard. Jojo had his hands up almost the entire fight around his face. And Haney had his hands down around his knees because he was so, so confident, just kind of waiting, waiting. And then when he would come up, everything was splitting that defense almost at will. He looked super good. I like Devin Haney. I think I came out of this a bigger Devin Haney fan. The pop is missing to a certain extent. If anything, Jojo Diaz just showed how well he could take a punch because some Absolutely. of those some of those punches looked so heavy and so hard and he was just absorbing them like they were nothing. So then by the time we get to the end, I was hoping for like a late round knockout or a stoppage or something. Uh, so I threw 20 bucks on that. And then towards the end, like getting into the 10, 11, 12, I was like, here it comes. I'm gonna cash out my ticket. And then the fight ended. And I was like, ah, damn it. I did think it was funny. The fight ends. Oscar De La Hoya jumps into the ring and goes over by Jojo Diaz is moving a million miles an hour and goes, oh, you won that man. You won that fight. And I'm like, uh, is Oscar De La Hoya putting his nose into the bags of Coke again? Cause that's what he kind of came off as. He was just talking super fast and his eyes were looking all crazy. He's like, you took that fight. You took that fight, man. It's like, calm down, Oscar. He don't, why are you going to lie to him right after the fight? He clearly didn't take the fight. And the judges agreed, luckily. It was 117 to 111. Uh, I think two of them scored it like that. 116, 112. All of that sounds correct. But it was a fun fight. You know, knockdowns and knockouts are always exciting. But this was still a lot of fun to watch. The only thing that could have made this main event better is if after the fight, Diaz went over to the microphone and said, this is bullshit, man. I won this fight. 10 rounds of two. <laughs> I I won this fight and then did like a backflip. And then today complained that he was in the hospital, not feeling well. Yeah. Did you see about Teofimo where he oh, said yeah, that he was dying? It. Yeah. That the, the doctor said he's lucky to be alive. And it's like, you were doing backflips. Yeah. Don't tell us you were dying when you were literally doing backflips and running your mouth to anyone that would listen. Uh, see, so like the fact that people pull for somebody like Teofimo, but then you've got guys like Devin Haney that are going in there and they're doing their thing and they're they're going about it the right way. They're doing it in a classy way. And then people aren't going to like Devin Haney. Like, get the hell out of here, man. All right. Thanks, everybody, again, for joining us this week. We certainly appreciate you listening. Join us next week. We will be talking about the Vasily Lomachenko versus Richard Comey fight happening in uh, New York. There's some other fun fights on that card. So tune in and uh, listen to that. Anybody else you want to talk about, Franco? I was going to say there's a lot of really good fights next week. So I think it's going to be a little bit tricky for us to try and pick and choose which ones. But, you know, we'll try our best. So if there's anything that we should be keeping an eye out for sure, message us because we've got, you know, some guys that are always on the undercards that we really like. Like we've got Xander Zayas. We've got uh, Big Baby Anderson. Jared Anderson is fighting. Uh, Fritz's favorite, Nico Ali Walsh, is going to be fighting. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of fights coming up. So, uh, yeah, let us know which ones we should be checking out next weekend. And in the meantime there, Punchaholics, let me know. 
what uh, uh you know hit us up on social media make sure to like and follow or whatever other weird thing you do i can't believe i went a whole episode without saying punch maniacs franco it thank you good. very much for uh for reminding me to uh remind the punch maniacs to say their prayers and eat their vitamins and uh join <laughs> us next week follow us on social media and uh you can count me out franco Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment, and we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.